I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello. Hi, everyone. On this week's episode, I'm speaking with Yarrow Magdalena. Yarrow lives a soft, slow life in Scotland and creates rituals and ceremonies for the big and small milestones in life. They also write, make textile art, host a podcast, swim in the sea all year, and do a lot of queer dreaming. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Hey, Yaro, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly really honored and excited because I'm such a big fan myself, and I always love talking about weaving. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to join. I'm excited for the conversation to come. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background, where you're from, and how you found yourself in the wonderful world of weaving? Yeah, sure. So I live by myself with my two dogs in a village on the Scottish East Coast. And I don't have a traditional background in weaving. I've not been to art school or anything, but um, I've always been really into writing. I'm a web designer and small business mentor. And I did an MA in creative media. So I have some kind of creative background, but I really got into weaving when I moved to Scotland last summer and was in a time in my life where I really wanted to do something with my hands. I was struggling with anxiety and I found that this really repetitive, gentle movement and the tactile nature of working with fibers was so soothing and it's really made a massive difference in my life. And then also I think as an art appreciator, not even just making weavings. I just I just think it's the most beautiful art form. It's so tactile, so intimate. It's so on our skin um, when we are wearing clothes or we are having it as, as tapestries on our walls. And I think there's just really nothing I don't love about weaving, to be honest. And I also really think it's a beautiful community. When I've explored other art spaces, sometimes I felt a little bit more intimidated and I found that with weaving, everyone is so warm and inviting and welcoming and so willing and generous in sharing their skills. So I really appreciate that. Mm, Yeah, I definitely identify with the warmth of the weaving community. I feel like weavers tend to be really patient, really meticulous artists, artisans, crafts, persons. And I definitely understand what you mean about that warmth and that feeling. You consider yourself to be a beginner weaver, which is why I'm really interested in in talking with you today, because I'm curious of what were the first tools that you started using when you began? Yeah, I'm really grateful to get to be a beginner on the podcast because I'm so in awe of your journey and the journey of your guests and I'm I'm not quite counting myself to be in, you know, in the professional range, but I I have been working with textiles for a few years and my first access to that was embroidery and I kept that really simple just really making small embroidery hoops and work with plant materials and explore recycling and then last summer I got my first um, frame loom and I just watched YouTube videos I did some courses from people that had come across on Instagram I got a few books and then to be honest something that's been really a big part of my exploration was just listening to your podcast and then looking every single artist up and really digging into their Instagram profiles and their websites and 
you know, just exposing myself to as many ideas and approaches as possible and learning new techniques very slowly one by one. And yeah, that's what I've been doing ever since. I have three looms now. They're all frame looms in different sizes. I have a really small one that I use when I'm in bed and I just have it on my lap to make uh, bookmarks mostly or coasters. And then I have a larger one that's on my desk and I'm making tapestries with that one. And yeah, that's just such a joy. And yeah, I really, really am grateful I get to do this. And would you say that in looking at other artists' work, you've experimented a bit in some of the techniques or tools that you've used? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like this, you know, being exposed to so many different artists has really broadened my horizon and has opened my eyes to, I think, what's possible in weaving. And I'm really grateful to also learn a little bit more about textile history and material culture. So really kind of deepening the intimacy I have with the items around me. And that could look, for example, like really understanding how a shawl is made, for example, how long it takes and what goes into it. And and then also seeing people doing really forward stuff and just manifesting their ideas in unusual ways. Um, I work a lot with Pinterest, um, not because I love being on screen so much, but because I think this digital collaging is a really great way to do visual research and gather different ideas. So sometimes when I really love someone's work, I'll research them some more and then gather different pictures on private Pinterest boards so that I can kind of like, yeah, feel into it and get an overview and just keep engaged um, with seeing what's possible. And of course, when I do it at home, it takes longer. It's not always as easy as it looks. And I have to undo a lot of my work at this stage. And I think especially right now, because we're recording this in at the end of May, where we're still in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, who, who knows if this is the middle, but the pandemic is definitely still <laughs> happening. And so I'm not able to attend any classes where someone could look over my shoulder and help me understand what I might be doing wrong, which means it's a pretty slow process and there's a lot of undoing. Um, but I'm just trying to really be open to this lesson of slowness and seeing that as a luxury and... Yeah, just being present with the material and my body, that feels really, really beautiful. Mm. And do you have a fiber or material preference? I really, really love natural materials. So I, I've i never liked wearing um, something like polyester, for example. And I think that has translated into my fiber practice as well. Um, I really love wool. Living in Scotland, I feel really lucky that I get to yeah, be so close to so many sheep and so many small businesses that work with wool in really beautiful ways. Um, there's some one seller on Etsy called The Outside Dyer, I think, and they um, have this natural dyeing practice with um, British wool here. And so I'm really trying to be as local as possible with, with what I do and what I work with. Um, sometimes I also recycle or unravel things, so... If I have leggings, for example, that are just completely done and at the end of the light cycle, I might just rip them up and try to weave with the cotton a bit. Or sometimes I see jumpers in charity shops that are really cheap and made of really nice wool and I'll just buy them and unravel them, even if they don't fit. And I think 
I really love colors. So with fiber, it can be challenging sometimes to find just the color that I've been looking for. And I think that, you know, with watercolors, I can just mix whatever I want, basically. And obviously, that isn't the same when we're working with fibers. And I'm really trying to embrace that limitation in a way that that makes my work more creative and to kind of see what we actually have access to, what's easy, what's environmentally friendly and responsible, and to make the best with that, I think, is, is actually an exciting way to do art. Yeah. And can you talk more about what it's like to be a weaver in Scotland and some of the ways in which the culture, your surroundings has influenced your practice, whether it's textiles, weaving, or the other parts of your art practice? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I think there's a really, really beautiful, rich history with textiles in Scotland. I live about 45 minutes away from Edinburgh, and there's a weaving... um, little museum there called the Dovecut Studios, um, which I really love visiting. They have such stunning displays and lots of books and just so many opportunities to learn and research. And then also there's smaller um, textile shops here. The next village up the coast has a really beautiful little yarn shop. And then there's also this feeling that people just really care about being cozy and indoors which I think because of the weather here is just a really important part of Scottish culture is like being comfortable and being inside and having crafts for rainy days. So I feel like I don't know many people that don't have a really strong and exciting crafts practice here. And so even if we're all inside at the moment and not really connected, overall I think there's a sense of really caring about material culture and and weaving is a really big part of that and then of course the landscape and the colors in Scotland really just feel super inspiring they're kind of washed out and there's a lot of blues and grays at the coast where I live so there's these really beautiful rich black and gray cliffs and then the sea and the sky have a different color every day and then um, yeah we have a beautiful botanical world here as well that feels really inspiring and I love seeing that in other artists as well I'm fairly far down so um, within Scotland you can go way further up towards the highlands and Orkney and I'm really excited to explore those landscapes as well and I think another thing that really inspires me here is that the the light is changing so much so in the winter around the winter solstice um, near Christmas we have just like seven seven hours or so of daylight And then now in the summer, we have more than 16. So there's a real big tangible shift where right now I'm not seeing the night sky anymore because I sleep quite a lot. So if you sleep nine hours basically in the (laughs) summer, then you never see the night sky, which is so interesting. And then the summer you have this really, in the winter, you have this really small window of being outside and enjoying some sunshine. And it really kind of draws you into your own space and your internal worlds to be creating more. And I really appreciate that about Scotland, even if it's also raining quite a bit. It sounds so beautiful. Yeah, it's really great. I hope you can come visit one day. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So in addition to your fiber practice, you have a range of really interesting projects from business mentoring and workshops to podcasts and ebooks. Can you talk about some of the other projects that you have as well? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I started five years ago as a web designer and then other things kind of grew from there. I initially offered custom-made WordPress sites and then I began um, offering support around tech issues for small businesses. I also supported people at social media and then I started a community project called um, the Embodied Business Community. And that was because I, I saw how difficult it can be to create a small online business. Things are changing so fast and I think there are some dominant narratives out there about what success should look like or what we should all be doing that we all should aim for, like 100,000 Instagram followers and want to make six figures. And I think that's not realistic or desirable for a lot of people. And so I wanted to create like a community and a, and a culture of work that's more DIY, I guess, and smaller and simpler and sweeter in that way. And yeah, I'm really grateful to get to do that work and definitely think that my approach to it, is, it has changed a lot in, in this particular year as well. Um, I think right now with the pandemic, so many businesses have to make really radical changes and it's heartbreaking really to see some of them struggle. I worry for a lot of small businesses that I really care about. And in other ways, I also feel deeply hopeful and inspired by seeing how creative and adaptable people are. And with how much compassion they show up for each other, I feel, yeah, just really strongly about buying books right now from small bookshops or um, buying yarn from people that I really just love so much and really want to see through this time. And so, yeah, it's, that's still the, the largest part of my work. I think it will always be in some ways, but I'm also making more space for my writing and my creative practice. Um, this web design business I run is called Yarrow Digital, and I have another one called Daydream Wolves, which is more about rituals and art as ritual and rituals art <laughs> and <laughs> self and community care. And I run two podcasts, which I really love. I love storytelling and having space to ask people questions and hear about their backgrounds and stories and sharing that with different audiences. Um, I think we live in a time where Many of us feel so overwhelmed by social media and at the same time not represented by um, by pop popular media. And so I feel like podcasts are really touching this nerve in a really beautiful way of deeper intimacy and connection and space to share what's really on our minds without the fast pace of, say, Twitter, for example. So I'm excited about that. And I also really like um, telling stories or offering skills um, through zines. So zines are self-published booklets and they can have anything from like how-to guides to recipes or stories or maybe memoir and life writing. And I write about business-related things but also about grief and attending and ritual and just creative expression in general. And I'm really grateful that I found this medium that allows me to express myself with relatively little risk. So there's not this big production up front and um, I don't necessarily need a publisher, but it's a slower process and it feels really community-based. It feels like a dialogue with the people that I'm working with and that's really beautiful. I think like the time of being in hierarchical structures with other people is really over and I'm, I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to that. So one zine that I wrote recently, for example, is called Our Bodies as Anti-Capitalist Business Mentors and that's um, a workbook that's exploring like how can we really listen to our bodies and come to a place of 
being slow and still enough to to really hear the messages that we're getting. So I'm thinking about myself, for example, in my early 20s, I was working as an agile manager and studying at the same time because I thought that's what you do. You know, you, you try as hard as you can in an office job and you come home and then you study. I was too scared to take out a study loan, so I studied part-time, but I really had no time to myself left. I, I didn't even know really who I was beyond my work at that time. And my body was giving me all these signals. I was really stressed. I had a burnout. I was having constant headaches. I was always tired and exhausted. And even at the weekends, I wasn't really finding joy, you know, which is which is so sad for someone in, in their trainees. And so, yeah, this scene is about exploring how we can really listen and also what our bodies are telling us about things like collaboration and honesty and the creative process, because I think especially for small business owners that are just starting out, it's so tempting to arrive in a space like Instagram and look around me like, oh my God, and I have this tiny account and this person has, you know, these amazing followers and they're so popular. And I think that's hard, but we all have our own stories and yeah, I really want to create spaces where everyone can be seen, whether or not they have a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about using our bodies as anti-capitalist business mentors. I also saw that you wrote in relation to that piece, you wrote how we recreates touching points to reconnect with cyclical living in slowness. And I'm really intrigued by that statement. And I'm wondering if you can go a little bit deeper into what that means and, and how weaving and the body sort of works with one another in this way that's kind of helped you, as you explained earlier, to reconnect with yourself and, and to connect with the slowness. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I'm someone who has really for more than a decade struggled with hormonal depression. There were certain points in my cycle each month that I got really sad and exhausted and often had to take a break from work and then got really anxious because obviously I still had deadlines and things to take care of. And it took me a really long time to kind of find an access point to that work because I could never, in the kind of hormonal health, cyclical living world, identify with this like fertility goddess. <laughs> we're, we're all here to, uh, you know, become as fertile as possible kind of approach. But I found the work of um, Marissa Correa, which really spoke to me. Um, her business is called Cyclical Body. She's also on Instagram. And she is just really open and inclusive um, she doesn't make assumptions about people necessarily being straight or wanting kids or not wanting kids it's just a really beautiful gentle and open exploration of what it means to be in a body that has rhythms and that menstruates and has different energy levels and doing that work with her really just helped me understand how I have these cycles in my business as well and how I'm not always creative. I'm not always expanding and out there. I also have these periods of going more inward and letting things die down. And I think then also moving to Scotland before the winter has really kind of deepened my understanding of how important winter is and how does this connection between us wanting to always be in summer and always wanting to, for things to grow and expand and be out there 
and how we sometimes feel shame for the need to be quiet and inside and like taking time off you know each month to menstruate is, is still really uncommon even though I think many people would really benefit from doing that and so yeah there's there's literally so many different things quite literally weaving together this understanding that my body has rhythms I needed more spaciousness I needed more time more time to rest and then also unshaming that that that's something that's related to my cycle in a way and then also seeing the beauty of that of how like there's also this outward energy of ovulation and you know reaching out and like catching butterflies and feeling excited and having all these ideas and just better working with that really was like wow there's nothing outside of myself that I really need if I'm willing to listen to myself and be slow enough to do that and pay attention and I think the reason I I said in this book that our bodies can be the body the business mentors is that I think in the small business world sometimes there's this idea that we can pay someone else to give us this blueprint of how to do social media or how to do sending a newsletter or just building a business and that's true like I think it's really important and beautiful sometimes to hire out and receive support from another human being but what we're so often forgetting in business and our creative practice and really any area of life is that we have so much wisdom inside of us already and and I think in consumer culture there's this incentive to reach outward and buy something to kind of fill something that feels empty inside of us but yeah, the slowness of weaving, I think, really gave me the space to reflect. And I think where the body comes in with weaving is that, for me at least, like all of what I just said felt super abstract to me in my 20s. Like if you had told me what I had just <laughs> said to you, I would have been like, oh my God, what, I, what kind of hippie are you? Like this is so far out. And like, <laughs> I have a deadline. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. And and there was just no way that you could tell me that with words. You know, it just didn't arrive in my whole being. It, maybe my my head, my mind would just block this information and my body would be confused. And so I think having these kinds of conversations and observing that in myself, observing that in the landscape, observing that in the creative process, and then sitting down to weave to kind of clear my mind and just have this really gentle movement that's kind of repetitively moving and and uh, almost rocking my nervous system um gave me this moments of feeling like oh yeah it's true like this is actually true and it just needed some time to revive in myself and the weaving has really done that for me and given me that time to just like count count the rows and you know like um uh you know put things together and warp something and just not worry about anything else and that's always the time where I have the best ideas and something really hits home for me so yeah does that make sense yeah it does it's it makes a lot of sense and you express that so beautifully it's almost like you were speaking directly to me and I'm just like yes yes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah I mean it's I wouldn't even know where to begin to kind of explain how that personally resonated with me but um all of it was just so beautifully expressed and I think that there's so much more to investigate and, and to 
create conversation around women's bodies, hormones, and the ways in which we self-care. And I do think that, you know, weaving has a lot to do with self-care. And I think that it's provided a form of self-care for women throughout generations. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. I'm also really interested, as you've spoken a lot about being a small business owner and an entrepreneur, how you've been able to sustain your practice, um, whether it be environmentally or financially, how have you been able to continue the work? And what are some of the tips, if you don't mind sharing, and things that you're able to share with people in your courses, in your workshops, and in your eBooks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So I um, I was in debt when I started my business five years ago. And I say that because I really want to unshame that. I think that's true for all of us. And I think if we, if we don't keep saying that, then maybe people get the impression that you can only become an artist or, you know, start a small business when you have inherited some family money. And I think that's not true. I do think that we come from different backgrounds and it's really important to acknowledge our privilege and the social capital that we have, you know, whether or not we have money or not, there's different elements to privilege and access to resources, I think. But anyway, I... Um, started doing mainly web design and um, the first two years were definitely really hard. I had a lot of financial anxiety and really this core fear of like, oh my God, can I can I or can I not meet my basic needs, which is scary and it's not a good place to create from. So I really see that now that I'm a bit more stable, ideas just flow so much more easily because I know I'm going to pay rent and I'm going to be able to take care of myself and my dogs and it's it's okay, you know. And mm-hmm. I think for me, a really key tool is Patreon. Um, so I've started a Patreon account two and a half years ago, and people can pledge any amount of that. Literally, it can be a dollar, and they get access to all my programs. And that's a bit of a weird or unusual way of doing it because with the kinds of programs I teach, usually people would have like a big launch, and they would cost like between 50 and $250 or something like that. And I made that decision a while ago to invite people into an ongoing mutually supportive relationship where my commitment is to offer them access to all my programs. They can download my zines. They can come to live online workshops. And in return, they're making this small monthly pledge, which really adds up and gives me a little bit more stable income. And I'm really grateful for that. So I have about 150 patrons at the moment. And I I know it sounds silly, but I literally send love to them every month because it means so much to do, to me, regardless of how small their pledges are. And I think that there's a beautiful model for a lot of makers and facilitators. So even people who have a product-based business, for example, I really encourage them to consider that because I think for many of us, having some stability in our income is so soothing and really creates a much better space to be innovative and creative and so what I sometimes work with people on for example is that they build a model where that where people can pledge say $15 every month and then every quarter they get maybe like a kid like a little kid of yarn or something that someone made and it can obviously go all the way up to people pledging 100 or 200 dollars a month but it's just kind of breaking payments down for people to receive something that maybe they wouldn't be affording on or off all the time. And also for the maker, it's it's more stable income. And 
it could also look like asking people to just pledge one or two or three dollars or five and getting behind the scenes content about the making process or getting first dips on new collections or being the first to hear when when something when there's a shop update for example so I think there's many ways of working with Patreon as a creative and a maker and a small business owner and that has really worked for me it's given me a lot of stability and yeah I think the other thing is that I'm also trying to be really transparent with people so I'm trying to create a culture where I get to be a human even if I'm also a podcaster and a small business owner I've never tried to say that I have it all figured out or that I I'm never scared I'm definitely often scared and, <laughs> and I think yeah I write about that and people seem to resonate with that I'm I'm really grateful I get to do this work and I also remind people that I'm not born rich you know I need support back and I, I think there's no shame in saying that I really encourage other people to say that too and I and I encourage people to kind of really think about where the stuff that they have is coming from and what has gone into making them and maybe if there's more joy in and been paying people fairly for what they do I think that's actually feeling good for everyone involved and so yeah like I'm really grateful you're making the podcast I think that you're deserving support for that I think we're all deserving support for the work that we do and and capitalism isn't the only way to do things you know so mm. yeah <laughs> and then also small stuff like recycling a lot and really using everything to the best of my abilities and I love trading with people I'm always open for people approaching me and saying like hey can I can I trade you weaving for membership in your community or for access to your course I, I the most beautiful things I have in my home I've traded that have never exchanged money for and there's nothing inherently shameful I think about money um it's good to ask for money and it's good to be honest about that but lo I love trading so much and um, and I think also moving to Scotland has made a di big difference. I was living in Brighton before in the south of England near London, which is way more expensive than living up here. The rents were really high. It was really hard to find a house. Um, it was a much more fast-paced and competitive environment, I think. And this village that I moved to in Scotland is fairly random in a way. Like, it's definitely not cool. We don't have vegan cafes. <laughs> no one has heard about it. But I can be in a city in an hour if I want to go to a wool shop or to a museum or see friends there. And I have access to really beautiful natural landscapes. I'm right at the beach, which in so many other places would be really expensive to live right at the beach. And so I feel like I've been able to really simplify my life. And after some heartbreak and some difficult um, experiences in the last few years, I think it just became clear to me that I really just want to write and make things more than anything and that I would really much rather have a small, quiet, unglamorous countryside life and have space to do all these things than to live in a city where things are faster and more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really amazing. Can you let some of our listeners who will be interested in joining your Patreon and supporting some of your works, how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. So my Patreon is at patreon.com slash daydreamingwalls. And my business related to that is at yarrowmagdalena.com. There's also the podcast that's called Daydream Walls that's on all different kinds of podcast platforms. And then my 
web design and business mentoring um, business in the community is on yaradigital.com. Amazing. It's been really beautiful listening to you talk. Um, I feel like I just got a window into your soul and you have such a beautiful, calm spirit. And so I really appreciate you being so transparent and sharing so much with us. Um, One of the questions that we ask everyone who joins a podcast is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Yeah, I think I would invite people to keep it really simple and think about their priorities in life and also to see if they can maybe um, expand their window of tolerance or their, their comfort zone a little bit into more intimacy and more openness. So I think that when we weave, there are so many stories to tell and often I see hesitation or shyness in people really sharing about what their intention was with the piece. And actually, when when people do that, my experience was really that it's so well-received and really people are kind when when you are open about your story and they really want to connect. And it's just, that is true magic to me. I made a really simple piece last December, for example. It's just like a plain weave um, beige-colored background that has like an embroidered moon on top of it. And I made that on a two-year anniversary of a sexual assault, which had really given me a, a lot of anxiety and impacted my life in a lot of ways. And it was hard to talk about, but I made this piece around that anniversary and I shared about why I made it and the symbolism of the different elements of that piece. And I got so much beautiful feedback for it and it made it really meaningful for me. And it was a big piece of my healing and kind of integrating that experience. And I think the weaving community really is so gentle. Like we're ready for you. We're ready for whatever story of healing or creativity or life you have to share with us. So please do. Amazing. Thank you again. Thank you. (laughs) And that's a wrap. (laughs) If you're interested in supporting Yarrow's work, you can find links to their website in the show notes at www.chisyarn.com slash episode 119. On next week's episode, I'm speaking with Kendall Schauder, a recent graduate of the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. In our conversation, we talk about Kendall's How to Grow Denim project and the various ways she's deconstructed the art of weaving in her fiber practice. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Until next time, happy weaving.